0: Don't want to go down to Vegas, bud. Oh fuck yeah! Let's take a rip down to Vegas, buds. Fucking right. Play some forty k. Drive down in the Toyota. In the Toyota. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Hibernate in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me, as always, are.
1: Dan. Ward. Mike.
0: Steve. Okay, well, first off, you'll notice I'm probably a little bit hoarse right now. You don't look like a horse. Oh, goddammit. No, come it, Steve. on, Steve. <laughs> like fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I couldn't resist. De-
0: derailed already. Yeah. Um no no
2: Sarah <clears throat> Jessica Parker jokes. It could have been worse. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, so, if you listen to the last episode, you'll know that we were in Vegas this last weekend. And we're actually recording less than 24 hours after getting back into Edmonton.
2: Yeah, yeah. our recording schedule just happened to fall on like the next day. So it's all very fresh in our minds, which is good for you, the listener. We'll or blurry, depending upon where you're staying. Yeah, fresh in our minds is maybe a bit. It was in Vegas.
0: We actually, no, <laughs> but we were good enough where we staggered the ridiculous moments where there was one person coherent enough to remember at all moments. That's true. We did.
2: We did. Um, yeah, so I guess we should probably start, uh, jump into some content.
0: Yeah, um, so this week in Hobby, yep. for at least three of us, was, we we actually got all our stuff done for Vegas.
2: Yeah, uh, Ward finished his PHR. Well, Finished I'm- them to, we actually had a conversation about this in the airport. Ward finished his PHR. We thought, like, oh, come on, Ward, you gotta actually finish, finish an army, and then we all looked at the model
3: and we were like, oh yeah, that's actually...
0: Pretty good. <laughs> He's got to, like, do a wash or two on the metallics and, like, a highlighter or two on the metallics, and they're done.
3: Yeah. That's it. That's it. it. For me, it's like, the ca- there's some cabling that I'd just like to pick out with black and be good. Or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Or you could just reprime it and start over. Most likely that will happen. <laughs> that
2: is, yes, the sure. that is the ward technique. That is the ward technique. Similar
0: to the grapefruit technique. So
2: um, They were cons-
3: they were concerned when I first mentioned it, and then I showed them some models, and they're like, oh, okay, all right.
0: Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't like your. Uh, I remember when we went to Attorney, the War Machine. Uh, no, it was actually Dystopian Wars, the War Machine, Ottomans, Dystopian
2: Wars, Ottomans. Well,
0: yeah, but the Ottomans were not. Finished.
3: The list goes on.
2: The
0: list yeah. goes on. Uh, his Chaos Fantasy,
3: Tomb Kings. He's a ninety percent <laughs> kind of guy. <laughs>
0: Well, unless it's black, in which
3: case he gets that finished every time. I think they should go 10% my way. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, I finished up my display board. I actually had Dan over here on the, what, Tuesday before we left? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Tuesday. We were just huffing paint and weathering powder stuff all over the place. Um, Unfortunately, it got destroyed on the way there in my suitcase. The the water effects weren't quite dry yet. Uh, so it kind of melted to the plastic bag I had around it to save Ward's luggage because I couldn't fit in mine. Thank goodness that happened. Yeah, it would have really <laughs> fucked up your clothes in that case. Uh, so it ended up staying in Vegas. It's not coming back. It was kind of too destroyed.
0: Yeah, and I finished with my movement tray as well. Yeah, um, but I kept smaller. it simple.
2: Yours was a lot smaller.
0: Yep. <laughs> Although I did start mine at like eight o'clock on Wednesday night. Yeah, I went
2: with like the full matchy matchy lava base thing. So, yeah. yeah, I was really looking forward to seeing it completely finished because I left before it got. Fully, I got pictures. Fully done. I got pictures. Yeah, cool. So. so between the pictures I took and the pictures you took, we actually have some evidence of what it looked like. Yeah, yeah, i to <laughs> post some of that up. I'll have a, I'll have a little bit of a, a, a post on our website about have a little what? memorial shrine for it. Yeah, exactly. It's in, it's probably in the trash somewhere. So yeah, we'll have to figure that out.
0: And I did also finish up all the pigs I needed to get done for it, so that was good.
2: Yep. Now, on to people that didn't
1: go. What'd you guys get done? I thought we were going to do that. Moving Dan on. And, okay, so Dan didn't get <laughs> yes. anything done. Uh, D- I got Dan, some. Dan got
3: portions of Steve's display board, maybe, then. Yeah, you can get credit yeah. for that. Partial credit to Dan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. Default, default. I'll take what yeah. I can get. When the team gets an A, and you put in very little work. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Manning. Mike, what'd you get done?
1: Uh actually I got about I got some dystopian wars done. I got some Malifaux done. Uh I got my Contemptor done. Which is sitting right here and looks awesome. Yeah, and uh I am really close to having about seven things for drop zone done. I'm just finishing off the metallics. Nice.
0: You know, I really like how nice you're being by working on some of the other game systems while you're doing the calf stuff. Yeah. <laughs> just so that you can stay on the same pace as us.
1: Yeah, I I thought it's just I thought it would be nice, you know. that scare you guys away.
0: Not just like have it done already.
1: Yeah, that'd be a little upsetting. <laughs> considering I'm just... i How did you, I didn't say that to you before. I've never. got,
0: I've got three or oh, ten Marines base coated
2: now completely. Okay. Yeah, because
1: you're doing that now, I'm going to do my first set, and then and, okay, and then we'll be. I feel like I friends. gotta
2: buy some spaghetti before I can move on. Yeah. Pro tip: If you need to use painting sticks, spaghetti works great. It's cheap as borscht and when you run out of toothpicks
0: okay. and when he's saying painting sticks he's meaning something to pre- actually attach the model to while painting Yeah, they're not big, painting with spaghetti your regular spaghetti
2: <laughs> thickness is the exact same size as the GW big drill bit for their and
0: toothpicks. fun fact do not cook it or eat it before or after yeah don't boil your models it, it will go limp and then you can't use it as a holding
1: stick won't work wow, so many probably pro taste bad pro tip. Tip. with the paint on yeah. it too yeah that right?
0: too yeah. absolutely uh, alright so moving on from there shut up and take my money uh, Hello. Dan? I'm out of money. But, <laughs> but we did spend money in Vegas,
2: potentially. On a we few did. We might have to talk about purchases. But Dan, you, you go. You said first. you had one. Yeah, I actually was just going through the arrangements today. I'm going to be picking up a Leviathan Dreadnought because Contemptors just aren't big enough for me. Those Leviathans are actually pretty sweet. So, yeah, there's a local hobbyist who bought a redonkulous amount of Forgewood lately. Turns out it's more than he needed. And yeah, so I'm going to be picking that up for a <clears throat> bit of a discount, hopefully. And uh, yeah, i look awesome. forward to getting my grubby little mitts on that. Cool. Are you going to do that as a replacement instead of the Contemptor of the kit? Like, um, some of us are summing pieces out for? He's not, like, in Edmonton. He's in the fort. So, like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get it. So, the other Contemptor is built. <laughs> I just need to put on the little bit of um, brass etch icons on him, and then he's ready to prime and everything. So, more than likely, I'll just stick to the one that I've already got going. Gotcha. Okay. Also, I, do, I probably want to do the Leviathan with the close combat weapons, not like the Graviton cannons. So, he'll probably need more arms in the future. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> But that yes, yeah, so that's sense. that's my uh, shut up and take my money. I think. Okay.
0: All right. I guess uh, go and. Do
1: you want to go to with Mike? Counterclockwise. What? We'll what? Go with
0: Mike, and then we'll talk about what we bought. All right. Okay.
1: <laughs> Mike, you so and take my money. Uh, I actually bought a, uh, a light box. Nice. I'm still playing with it and learning how to do it still because there's cool so that's, subtle variations with the with the the different colors and stuff like that. That's but, where the Contemptor photos came from.
2: Yeah, it was yeah. it was going
1: on. It, I saw it on. It was on sale. I got it for hundred bucks. It came with uh, two lamps. Cool. Plus all Ooh. the backdrops and it folds up to about the same size yours does. It's kind of cool. So yes, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's it though. That's nice done for a while. Hmm.
2: Gotcha uh i guess i'll go next sure um so i picked up down in vegas the toughest girls in the galaxy uh a set of them i don't really know which they're the iron kingdom i think it is is that right they're they're the ones that have the world war one german helmets okay Uh, pet helmets or whatever yeah they're they're actually really really cool on the top they are the iron empire they're the Reaper troops and uh, I'll pass it around so the rest of the people here can listen can take a look can but listen. they are <laughs> oh, the sorry
1: first. I saw more so I'm hoping to the microphone like, yeah that's what yeah, I closer, yeah. to, closer they can't see it focus All right, there you go focus.
2: Here. I want to I want to do them up as a competition piece do one or two miniatures up just as like uh, throw it on cool mini or not try and go for upping just the single maybe the draconic next year yeah I might bring it down for the draconic I really really like those miniatures I think they're
0: super cool and they right would make on. way better sisters of battle
2: <laughs> than sisters of battle
0: yeah, so that was me. Um, I actually went kind of token crazy. Ooh. Um, so, first there was Green Man Studio. Green Man Design. Design. Yeah. And he doesn't do a lot of Malfo tokens yet, but he had this really cool, excuse me, measuring widget. Oh, yeah, I see. That, 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 that was thing. actually Gremlin specific. Oh, wow. Because um, he does a variant of this widget for every game. Yeah. Um, but the neat thing that he does is cuts out different kinds of shapes and patterns in the non measuring portions. So it kind of has its own unique character, and yeah, he does a lot of faction-specific
2: work yep. on his uh, site. Yeah, I got from him last year the
0: little wave serpent tokens. Yeah, my jink token. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I got this, and then I didn't pay for it, but I got some. You stole it? No, I got them in a raffle. So, oh god, again, because you all need to see them here. <laughs> Hold up the case. Uh, really cool Malfo tokens from a company called Widget Wizard, which is I've actually an Etsy store. Okay. Oh, okay. And they're super cheap. Like, normally it's 50 bucks for the set. Again, I didn't have to pay for it. But they've got... The neat thing about these widgets is that they actually link up in a circle around the base. So if you have multiple status effects on one model... Oh, you can just put them all around, and they've got three cool. different radiuses for 30, 40, and 50 more bases. So it's pretty hard to like forget about a token when they're in a giant huh. ring.
2: Yeah. That's kind of cool. I like that. That's actually a neat little... And having the interlocking tokens, it's just a really neat-looking aesthetic, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you sort of that... Uh, I don't know how many of us here play MMOs, but that like, aura spell type thing where there's always going around, that animation. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> like that. Uh, you also didn't
0: have to pay for it, but you had a Fat mat. I did. Hilariously enough. Because the raffle, they had two different kinds of sets of tokens one was gremlins yep. and one was arcan or neverborn and so i got gremlin tokens and i also got a- the corpse markers here were a separate kit of gremlin specific tokens that i won in a raffle nice i won a swamp fat mat for three by three in a raffle nice because uh, it just had prize support at the yin yang from alpha and somehow i just miraculously got everything that was gremlins that's pretty perfect yeah hmm. it worked out really really well and um, I brought the set with me. The
2: tokens are very, very slightly sticky, and it's unnerving.
0: Yeah, it's because they have backs on them. I got some <laughs> new brushes by Games and Gears. Okay, I've, I've heard, heard, heard that them. they're. I've heard they're good brushes, so I'm curious, I can't wait to give them a try. I've seen a lot of people on, like, Every Air Metal posting pictures of the new brushes, going, like, can't wait to use them. They sound awesome. So that's about all I know yeah. about the subject. So for winning, and this is a bit of a spoiler, for Best Painted from Alpha, I got these brushes. So... That's pretty cool. We'll see. Hopefully like we can do a review of games and gear brushes at some point. Yeah. Sounds good to me. But uh yeah, so that's that's basically it for me uh, as far as buying things. War, your turn. Does rum count? Yeah,
2: it doesn't. Oh. It's not a hobby. Well,
0: that was, well, that was a lot It of, could be your oh, hobby, but then you need... Killing to, our uh, liver
2: was our hobby cool. this weekend. You do need to... You, you, need need to you need help, though, if you have that as your hobby.
3: Uh, no, I did buy You've some, some other home. stuff, though, at the uh, convention, so I picked up a bunch of the uh, shipping crates that... Frontline gaming. Uh, Their new designs. ITC
2: tournament terrain, which I grabbed two of as well.
3: Yeah, so I picked up 10 for uh, future events here in the Emerson area. Yeah, they look sharp. So, gotta. You can't go wrong, they're five bucks each. Build those. <laughs> seven. Well, I, forgot. Seven? Seven like, I spent more money oh. too.
1: I got Ward to pick me up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I did buy Mike
3: stuff too. Mike spent money in the LDL. <laughs> Yay! So I, I, well, I picked up a bunch of crates and then uh, Hawk was there, so uh, I won some stuff, so I didn't have to pay for that. And then I also picked up the uh, limited um, Dropstone Commander rulebook. Yeah, that's uh, right. The, the hardcover one, so. Oh, that's, that's cool.
0: right. I bought the King's
3: War rulebook.
1: That's, that's pretty cool.
3: cool. Lots of lots of convention purchases going on. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. So, Mike, what did you get at the LBO? Okay. I got the the uh, limited
1: edition Battle Bus for Resistance. and uh, Which I didn't even know was a thing,
0: otherwise I would have bought one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to update my decks, I got
3: 1.1 for every race. That's pretty cool. Because I own them all. There also was some uh, prize support donated for Onslaught by Hawk. No. So there will be a Battle Bus as a prize. For drops? drops <sighs> maybe yeah, I'll go. have to do my
0: drop zone uh, earlier than expected <laughs> maybe we'll just
2: not promote the events so that you guys have an amazing chance of winning it
0: oh I yeah. am a really big fan of running events only so that we can win things for ourselves
2: yeah that's yeah. pretty cool that's, that's, I, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to mention that there's something that I picked up that I completely forgot about because I bought uh, some other people some stuff down there uh, but it was at a minotera booth um, and I picked up their Flatative. So this is the additive that you can put in a gloss paint or something that gives you a uh, sheen that you're not looking for, and it will flat it completely out, apparently. Okay, because the ghost tints themselves go on pretty shiny. shiny so yep. apparently this will make them immediately flat. Hmm. Uh, so is I'm there anything try. that
0: makes it different from just a flat, a matte medium?
2: Uh, I don't know. I think it's actually an airbrush-specific flat medium. So eh? either way, it was there, and I got it, and I want to try it.
0: Cool. Especially with their ghost tints. All right. So, why don't we move on to actually talking about the LVO. Um, I feel like an easy way to start is maybe talk about our games. Yep. And then see exactly how much shenanigans we feel like talking about on the air. And I'll sit here and eat licorice, because I
2: didn't go. (laughs) Well, why don't... uh Give me some Why don't I start, then? <laughs> I'll start talking about the, the I guess, the biggest draw, which was the the 40K championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 296 players that actually showed up. They had 330 register, but by the time people dropped, because obviously you got to travel to Vegas, mm-hmm. they had 296, which is still insane, because that makes it the largest 40K singles event ever hosted on the planet. Um, so that's a first. It was really cool to see. They had every single table had at least two pieces of uh, large line of sight blocking terrain. The tables looked really good generally. Um, So, I mean, just the logistics of running the tournament was impressive. A fat mat on every table. Fat mat on every table. Um, Yeah, it was was cool. On to the games. I had four really, really good games and two (laughs) that I lost to my liver.
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah alcohol 2 Steve 0 in the 40k (laughs) tournament
2: that's the first time I've ever done that where I've actually missed 2 on the second day and they were my my first and second games and I made it for the 6th game of the tournament Uh, so I actually only played 4 games which I'm a little little disappointed with myself Um, (laughs) however I had a I had an even record, even with missing two games. I went three and three.
0: Because <laughs> so, we're three and zero after the first day. No, I was two and one. So oh, okay. my
2: first game, I played a demons player that uh, had atrocious luck, like beyond bad luck. He had like warp storm table take away minus one to saves across the board, then failed grimoire for another minus one on his screamer star. Like, stuff like that that's was happening That's really not there. how that's yeah. supposed to go. Yeah, and, like, I mean, perils with with Sanctuary after that. Like, so it's just like, oh, your Screamer Star has no save. <laughs> so, dead. Yeah. Uh, so, he had a bad game. Really nice opponent. Had a lot of fun there. Um, my second game, I played the most bizarre orc list I've ever seen. I played 100 orc boys in a single unit, the Green Tide Formation, a Stompa, and a Void Shield Generator. The Big Mech Stompa that you, is like, impossible to kill and uh really fun opponent really enjoyed playing against him uh but i had a pretty good uh theory hammer in my head of how i was going to deal with that one i sent the uh, he lined up his green tide across the table the whole way and i sent my wraith knight into the corner against the green tide where there were no knobs even close so you so had to just keep piling in he kept and piling in three in. inches and then i would stomp out the knobs And I managed to just, I managed to sick, to get double sixes for some stomps a couple of turns, like just squishing the war boss, squishing knobs. So I finally did lose the Wraith Knight, but after he went through 86 boys and knobs. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He was just murdering. Um, So I almost actually had him, and because I had that tied up the whole time, his stompa actually had trouble getting through the green tide because they were in front. So his stompa couldn't really do anything, but man, lift a drop us insane. Lifter droppas dropas are like, do you remember the old epic uh, video game? Yeah, Final Liberation. Final Liberation? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what they do. They just lift up your tank, they don't do any penetrating hits or whatever, but if they hit you, they move you 2d6 and your vehicle is wrecked. Just done. <laughs> so you're just like, <laughs> Please don't roll five six. Please don't roll five six. And then if you do, like right off the bat, my wave serpent just smash d side the wraith guard at the very back of the board. It's not two d six random direction. You choose where it goes. Oh, and then blow it up. It's really fucking good. Uh, but you have to sacrifice the the d weapon close combat to get that. So it's kind of it's a big toss up. Because you're hitting on... ba Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh. anyway, it was a great game.
2: Had a ton of fun. Voidchill Generator was cool in that situation. But uh, the last game I played against actually somebody that made it into the top eight. I played against uh, Brad Chester, who had a Warp Spider spam list. Um, and oh my god, Warp Spiders are good. When you have a mechanic where you can... You, you wound against initiative, and not many things in the game have initiative five or six... So you're almost guaranteed to be wounding on twos. You're rending out on those sixes. And then on top of that, you can flicker jump forward in the movement phase. Battle focus if you're part of that new Aspect Shrine where yeah. with the new uh Dumo My book, you can take a farce here and then just three units of Warp Spiders. And then you're automatically getting the run of six inches. So you can move your like 12 jump, run, a, run six, shoot. And then when they get shot at with flicker jump, they can, sh- uh, they can jump behind a piece of terrain. Because that's their aspect power. The first time they get shot at, targeted, they can immediately do a 2d6 flicker jump. So if they're in front of a wall, huh. they just pop out of the way and you can't see them anymore and you don't get to resolve your attack because you no longer can see them. Holy shit. They are insanely good. So Especially I got, if you're playing in a tournament with proper line of sight blocking terrain. Yeah, and it, it goes to show... So anyways, I lost that game really bad. I knew it was going to be... Uh, if I couldn't get some some super good luck and sort of get going right off the bat because he played a pretty, pretty serious null deploy list... Uh, basically, just threw the Wraith Knight on the table and then uh, Warp jumped him out with the new Scathatch Wraith Knight. So, if I didn't get some crazy luck right off the bat, it was going to probably not go my way because High Toughness Wraith List, he's winning games my initiative. It's not going to go my way. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, I lost that one, um, which totally took me out of the running for top eight. So, I'm not super sad that I missed the, the next two games on Saturday. Then my final game of the day, I showed up. Uh, I, I played against an opponent who also didn't have his opponent show up, so we both got full points and got to play like a completely no-pressure game. Oh, cool! So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. We 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 rolled it out. Um, I did manage to take the win, so that was cool. But uh, he also got the win. Yeah. So that was me for the, t- uh, the tournament. I had a blast. I will probably go again. Yeah. Um,
3: more are doing next? Sure. Um, what do you
1: remember first?
3: What do I remember? Most. <laughs> <Nope>. Not Friday <laughs> night. Not Friday night. <laughs> Tell you that much. Uh, yeah. We're are- going to get into that later. <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> so I played uh, two different systems over the weekend. I went down and Friday night, we or Friday, uh, since I thought it was Friday night, but apparently it was all day Friday, I had to play X-Wing. So I played four games of X-Wing. There was 16 players total. Um, there's supposed to be 21 that showed up, so... Which was kind of twenty-one that were registered. Twenty-one, 21 that were registered. Yeah. Only sixteen showed up, so he was kind of started a little bit late because we were kind of waiting to see if five more people would pop out of thin air, but uh, <laughs> they didn't. So with sixteen players, we that meant we didn't have to have a uh, another system uh, or another event being ran on the Sunday. So we just got everything. Yeah, you don't have to do a cut to the like top four, or top eight, or anything like that. Yeah, it was going to be a cut to the top sixteen. So oh, so you made the cut
0: to the top sixteen. I did <laughs>
3: automatic. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm awesome at X-wing, man. It was good. So <laughs> uh, over over the weekend though, uh, I went two and two uh, for X-wing on the Friday. So played against a uh, B-wing list of four B-wings. And uh, came out on top of that one. I played against a nice. It's a, actually pretty
2: solid. List. Yeah,
3: yeah. I played against a um, dual interceptor, like Royal Guard and uh, Echo list. Yep. And I got a good shot off against Echo. Range three, two shots, two hits. Those two went through, took <laughs> off his shields, and then I finished them off right away. And then just took care of like his interceptors. Wow. Yeah, with without betting, an eye. Um, couldn't dodge anything. eh? Yeah, the one that uh, the one that really hurt me, however, uh, was Chewie. Um, crap, who was it? It was Chewbacca and an A-wing, and I just couldn't do anything. I took one shield off of Chewbacca. <laughs> that was it. The entire game. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that Chewbacca can only be taking the Falcon, so that's like
2: yeah, you did nothing. Yeah, in any anyway. it
3: was the two ship list. So, oh, uh, real dude, I think his name was Trent. He was the, he was the local Las Vegas player, and so he uh, single handedly is planning on bringing back the two ship build. So, oh. he he started oh. out good against me for sure. So he was he ended up being on the top table. So again, I didn't feel so bad. Nice, yeah, uh, losing against him. Well, uh, your dice so, did completely they they Shoot did the crap the bed. i i had nothing for defense nothing whatsoever <laughs> so just everything was going through and uh yeah so i p- i played my uh, first order and my uh, and my two other uh regular ties for that list and then uh my last one um can't even think of of it offhand. So by that
2: point in the day, you've
3: we've already consumed a few. of oh, yeah, pops, there was, so. yeah. I was buying drinks. Uh, I totally forgot my flying stand bases, so oh. I had, so I had to borrow some. So I had to buy uh, the guy that lent me bases a beer, and I didn't want him to drink alone, so I had to buy <laughs> a beer for myself. So of course. by that time, uh, yeah, last game it was it wasn't really I wasn't really concerned, so I was just there to roll dice and have fun and. I lost the last game, and then uh, then we proceeded to go drinking. So that was yeah, a good first day. It was a great, great
2: first day. And, and what about your day, two?
3: It was a wonderful night, and therefore uh, I missed my first game of Trump's coming Commander.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> you did better than me, because I missed two, so you're
1: ahead.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. To so be fair, so I, so I just, did... Just, tra- I just want to clarify this. The game started at what time? Ten. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah you still couldn't do. Uh, no, I showed up. And times.
0: I tried to wake them up. I honest to god Mike yeah.
1: Mike, I'm telling you,
3: that
2: was, yeah. There was no, that wasn't happening.
3: You saw the video, Mike. Yeah, no, I don't. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I to be fair, I made it to my games on Sunday. Uh, you, did. you did. I was. <laughs> I didn't think it was a contest, but <laughs> yeah, I'm okay
2: with losing that so one. <laughs> my,
3: so needless to say, I missed the first game. Uh, Trevor was talking to Simon, and Trevor was going to put down my name like, hey, we, we kind of came from the same area. It would be nice if we didn't play against each other. Yeah. But since I didn't attend the first game, he didn't put my name on the top of his list that he would not like to play <laughs> me. So uh, the first game I played against another PHR player, Solomon. Uh, you might see his stuff on, uh, if you just Google PHR uh, models, uh, he's got the TIE fighter wings on his dropships. He's oh, that's kind of cool. He's got a Zeus converted it up to be Darth Vader with a lightsaber instead of the big shield. Huh. So that's ridiculous. Yeah. So very, very Star Wars themed. Uh, Were you got to play against Dragon? that army. Yeah. So I played against him. That was cool. He was against my first opponent. So it was nice. He was, he was good. He was walking me through like a lot of stuff too, where he's just like, oh yeah, you get, you get, those are heavy walkers. You get a five plus save before I destroy them, and I'm like, yay! So I would roll and. Wow. Oh yeah, it was wow. it was a rough morning, Mike. So yeah. and then I figured. So he pulled off the victory on that. It wasn't, like, a total blowout, which was good. Um, <laughs> and then my head really hurt, so I needed to like, buy some more rum. <laughs> and then Trevor was my last opponent <laughs> for Travis zone because, again, he didn't put, uh, put the work from, from the same list. city yeah. for the same area. So And it was a close game. Yeah, for me and Trevor. Trevor well, I, was saying that was ridiculous close. The rum kicked in, and I was good to go, and it was a 4-3 difference. And, Ooh. yeah, he was trying to escape, uh, escape off the board with an objective in his dropship, and my uh, Phobos just walked around the corner, blew the dropship out of the sky, crashed and burned, blew up, killed everybody inside.
1: Nice. It
3: came down to the two focal points. One, I had not a problem, and then the other one, he beat me by, like, 30 points around oh, the focal point it was close fast. well no no well, i play? was like i was like honestly you you him. You him. one more move i had a a unit of two phobos and my hades right there oh, without oh, a scratch oh. so it was getting close like he Whew. he needed it to end and were you happy with your hades I was I was pleasantly surprised with my Hades. So. This is this is you. You guys were list bashing, and you swapped out the Athena for the Hades. The two Athenas. I had two Athenas, and yeah. I swapped those out for the Hades well, I uh, be uh, because they <laughs> suggest that I go with more anti-air. So I, I went with uh, two more Phobos, scrapped the Hades, uh, or scrapped the um, Athenas, put in the Hades as like the other anti-tank, uh, and uh, went to town with that. So it worked, it worked. Out, it worked out really good for that. Um yeah, so it was a close game against Trevor, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I won Best Painted for Drop Zone. Yay, Nice. So
2: so, despite the fact that we made fun of you for not quite finishing everything, you
3: uh, were finished enough! I was finished enough. They liked the, they liked the color matchups, the, yeah. the, the little details of the hex patterns. The stencil work that you did with the hex patterns. Yeah, it does that make them look pretty unique. Yeah, yeah, so pulled ahead with that, and uh, so I won a blister pack and a set of rune building templates from Hawk. So
2: Yeah, the room building templates
3: look really cool. Yeah, and we were the talking room, about it. The room building templates were from a guy in the States that works right next door, and he wanted to donate them for the uh, event. okay. So Hawk gave me a blister for best painted, and then uh, that guy gave me a set of the tokens. So he was playing at the event, too. It was awesome. That's so, pretty okay. cool. Nice. Yeah. And, we were uh, talking about how they would make almost great molds if
2: you need to make more of them.
3: Yeah. yeah, Trevor's got some, so maybe I'll hit him up for that. Yeah, or exactly. again, like a set; is not that bad. They were so.
2: pretty. They're vacuum form plastic, so I'm sure they're pretty cheap. Yeah,
3: twenty-five bucks for a set of them. So that's yeah, not bad at all. Couldn't couldn't be bad. So, but yeah, no, it was good. There was lots of PHR. Uh, one resistance. Trevor was the only UCM. Uh, there must have been scourge. One sc- no, I Scourge? D- I don't think that no, there's really? any scourge. Yeah,
1: I don't recall day. seeing any scourge. I was asking about
2: this, and I found it very weird that it was like one resistance couple shouts are Lots maybe, of PHR, maybe, it
1: just, maybe PHR. it's just a matter but I've, I really like the scourge I thought they were like kick ass yes
0: yeah, they are but I think everyone just loves PHR because the tournament was half PHR wasn't it
3: there was a lot of PHR yeah hmm. I would say maybe slightly above half even it's like playing a uh, space Marines they're everywhere everywhere yeah, there used so. to be That's much more not anymore well, well the
2: heresy well. event. They would be all there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then
3: uh then nothing for the Sunday for me, because again I didn't have to play any more X-Wing. And Sunday, me and Steve took some painting classes actually. So yeah. weathering 101 and Advanced Air Rushing. We'll so. talk about those ones after because mm-hmm. I've got
2: some some stuff I want to talk about with that. And I think Tom wants to speak about his games. Yes.
0: Yeah, so Friday, um to put this in perspective, my my tournament didn't start until 5 PM. But I went to the venue at the same time as those guys. Um So that means I started drinking about six hours before my event started? Yeah. Um, The good news, I had a perfect record for the Henchman Hardcore.
2: In the wrong direction, though.
0: Oh, absolutely. I went (laughs) (laughs)
2: 0-3. But the Henchman Hardcore is the least serious, I would say, of the... Yeah,
0: it's really just kind of a primer to get the weekend started. Yeah, a bit of a... Uh, And I ran my Ulix Gracie and Two uh, Piglets crew. Did you
1: give up Bacon did you give up? No,
0: that? I did. You couldn't didn't.
2: get bacon really through. That would make sense without it being like you're
0: clearly just transporting raw meats into this country. Yeah. So and, you didn't have time. And when you're once you're in <laughs> Vegas, you're just I ha, I think everyone has intents of like I'm going to record games and do interviews and like take lots of photos. Yeah, and no. then you just get wrapped up into playing games and socializing and, and, and trying drinking. not to die drowning in your own bodily fluids and drinking. Well, those two are very connected.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, so,
2: um, Hedgeman Hardcore, you played a full pig list. We talked about this last time. Didn't do so well, but, but met some cool people.
0: Met some great people. Um, I actually got to play against an, the one other Canadian there, uh, Dan Miner. Um, run, yeah. He runs the Wet Coast GT. Yeah, I, and I
3: got to meet him when I went out uh, last
0: summer to the Wet Coast GT. So we That's had a, a cool really guy. great time, and I got to play against uh, Chrissy, who runs a weird place, which is the big Malfo Facebook group. And I feel really bad, but my, my third game, I do not recall from that night. <laughs> That's good. That I, was the same as me, right? So I do not recall. Who, who, I don't even know what I played against, like what the army was or who they were or what. And hey, Tom, you're allowed. I'm not sure if he would know either, so don't worry. Right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: and then Saturday was the actual legit gaining grounds, the real tournament. And I went 2-1. I actually ended that's up pretty good. I actually ended up losing to Dan Miner.
2: Nice. Okay, so another Canadian uh, beat you.
0: Yep, that's good. But so I ended did, up beating. Um, did Dan three. win the event? No, he came in second. Oh, Okay, because like a true Canadian, um, on our second day of drinking, he he had four cocktails on the table to start the top table. And oh. they were all done by the time he was done playing.
3: Oh, so he was in tip-top shape uh, intellectually.
0: Yeah.
2: Gotcha. Oh yeah. oh,
3: yeah. I was walking to the bar, and he gave me a drink. So... <laughs> He's a good like, time. Like, he
0: was... He won the prize... He probably won the prize for the most drunk top table at the LVO. I
3: like
0: it. <laughs> I like it a lot. That's pretty solid. Um, Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And on the Sunday was the story encounters. I went one and two, I think, in that one. That's but good. the uh, story
2: encounter is again another uh, less competitive. Yeah,
0: it was a lot lighter. We actually took a vote at the beginning if we would outrun with uh, ranked scoring for prizes or just do raffles. That weirds me out. That your group was like, yeah, no rank scoring. <laughs> <laughs> um, most of us were pretty rough from the night before. Yeah, like I said that I made it there in time, but my first game, every time I stood up to move models, everything went sideways.
2: Yeah, you had that. I know. I know your inner ear is still not working right. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know that, how that goes.
0: And uh, I got to play that game was against a guy named uh, Bill, who was actually the the henchman down in in yep. Vegas.
2: We hung out with Bill oh, a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, so he ran
0: the, he ran the first two events, and then Chrissy ran the event on the Sunday, and so Bill was able to play. And we had a lot of fun. It was a great game, um, full of. He was just really tired from having done all the prep work and set up and everything. Yeah. For a two-day event at the LVO. Yeah. And then being up all night, because he was out almost till the end of the evening with us the previous two nights while we were drinking.
2: I want to mention uh, that Bill is the most Vegas gamer I know now, because his job is he makes video games, but they're slot machine video games.
0: Yeah, he's a program developer for slot machines. <laughs> so
2: And he's, he's also a gamer, so he is like a Vegas gamer to the max.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that game was great, but I lost, because, again, I could not do anything, all I could really do at that point was slur and <laughs> say mean things like because the, the story encounter was basically the, there was three tokens along the center line okay. and you'd go up to it and flip a card, if you flipped low enough nothing would happen if you flipped high enough um, or like a mid range you would get a soul stone but you'd have to then take another AP to pick it up And then, if you flipped a severe, you'd get uh, not only would you get the soul stone, but you would automatically pick it up. And that's how you'd score points, is then taking them back to your deployment zone. Okay. Um, And so I got to one first, flipped it, flipped low enough so that nothing happened. So, in his next activation, he goes to flip, and he's like, well, let's see what I get. And of course, the only response I can come up with, well, Bill, I hope it's AIDS. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> cool. Nice that's Which fun. up a notch mm-hmm. Which, you know, at first you're thinking like Oh, I'm being jovial and funny And then it kicked into me like How fucking mean that is to tell someone you hope they get AIDS <laughs> Like, that's actually really not nice Maybe not at the beginning of the game Yeah, you might not get best sport
2: did with that
3: you, Did you meet this guy before? Well, I mean, you met him before
0: Well, it before,
2: was
3: Bill right? I know We yeah. hung out the
0: previous two nights Yeah, so I mean Pro I was, tip If you're
2: good. going for best sport Don't hope your opponent gets AIDS <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Maybe don't just tell them to their face.
0: Yeah, exactly. Keep, yeah, that's keep true. that on the inside. Absolutely. <laughs> the inside, um, moves inside. And then I got to play against a guy that I played twice over the weekend, uh, Evan, who's from um, Utah. Okay. And he was, he so was, I was probably try- one of... I, I voted for him for best sport both rounds, because I played him in the gaining rounds and in the story encounter, and he was just a... Fucking doll to play against like great. Doll? Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> just hilarious like super fun super fun super funny zero fucks were given in either one of our games like we just played had a good time, but still played like really clean really well just Gotcha good time and That's awesome, man. Yeah And then actually I played against Chrissy during no no that was a story shit I played a lot of Malfo and drank a lot. So just to put it in perspective my only goal for the weekend <laughs> was to not be sober
2: Accomplished. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. So Put accomplished. the banner up on the aircraft carrier. <laughs> land the fighter jet. Done. <laughs> we won the war. <laughs> yeah, we sure did. Um, I guess so. You played a ton of Malifo. How how is the general Malifo community? Because this is one of the things that we talked about a little bit. That uh, Ward's played a little bit of X Wing. Uh, I guess not internationally. I don't think you've,
0: but at least outside of
2: Edmonton, yeah. You went to played the in Coast, Vancouver. Too. Yep. Um, we've played in, like, regionals and stuff yeah, exactly Edmonton as well. But. So you get a little bit of experience out of the meta. I've played yep. uh, 40k outside of the meta. Yeah. This is your first time not playing Edmonton Maliful players.
0: What did you, what do you think? They're exactly the fucking same as Edmonton Malifu players. The game is just that, it caters to that kind of, that kind of uh, meta, that just wacky fun. Yeah. Like, you'd see a few Masters that you don't necessarily see locally, just because everyone's got their own flavor of the week that they like. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. Um... But other than that, yeah, it was. They were all that's awesome. Just like the players we have here, so that's awesome, all man. great people. Um, they were competitive in as they played clean and well, but not competitive in so far as like arguing over rules. Played you a good game. Yeah, yeah. And the only times we ever really had to talk to the TO about rule stuff is when we're laughing about a hilarious circumstance that would maybe impact the game. Like so, in one game that I played, I, I did not
2: one like that too. I got to tell you after.
0: Um. I won and this was against Evan without killing a single model because the objectives <laughs> were such that I had to take uh this is during the story encounter, I had to get a wagon across the table without dying, and I did, and uh the other ones were uh frame for murder, and what was the last game deliver message yes, I think that's what it was, so i got i delivered the message just fine, and then. I sent a piglet up for up to die, so I got the max for the for the deliver message. I got the um, the frame for murder, the two points because it was not Lynch that killed the pig, but it was before the end of turn four. And then I proceeded to be like, I'm not going to touch any of his models because he might have frame for murder, and I'm just going to tank and bunker and tie stuff up from killing the wagon. And that was it. But. Um, Zoraida has Obey, and, Hung- and Hungering Darkness has an ability that's almost like Obey. And basically what it is, is if you succeed in the willpower duel against him, you get to force him to make an AP, or take an AP action of any kind. And we are looking to see if he could actually get Hungering Darkness to activate one of my models to kill one of his models, <laughs> to then get the frame for murder. I like that. Um, which doesn't work for Huggies, because for that moment, it's explicitly worded that they become friendly. Ah. so that it would be a friendly model killing a friendly model. Yeah, that's not possible. Whereas with Obey, what Zoraida has, and a few of the models in the game do, they don't become friendly models, so you actually can obey someone else to kill one of your models to get framed for murder. That's kind of
2: cool. I like that. <laughs> so. Cool. Yeah. I had a, a moment like that in my first game. We were trying to figure out... Uh, one of his Chaos Lords had a weapon that um, was poisoned. Poison 2+, plus, I think it was. Um, and then he also had Iron Arms, so he was some crazy strength, uh, ridiculous chaos monster against my gargantuan creature, Wraith Knight. Uh, so he was, I think, strength 10, poisoned 2+. plus. But you can only ever wound a gargantuan creature on a 6 with a poison weapon, because they're immune to poison other than on a 6. So you're like, how does this work? Can a model choose to be unarmed if they have no other second close combat weapon? And it turns huh. out that you can, in fact, choose to be unarmed and still fight with just your fists. I would not have known that. Yeah, so you, you can... We, it was one of those things where we were both like, this doesn't matter because this is the guy that couldn't roll at all. <laughs> it didn't matter at all. <laughs> They're like, I'd like to know this. So we had to ask the, the rules judge. Same sort
0: of thing. Really, really cool. Yeah. It was a weird situation, fun. Yeah. And I guess that's really it for the game side. Do you guys want to talk about those painting seminars a little bit? Sure do. Uh, so we did... Like Ward was saying, we did Weathering uh, uh, 101,
2: Uh and we did Advanced Airbrush uh, Techniques. Yes. Uh, The first one was taught by Aaron Lovejoy, and if you want to check out whether or not he knew what he was talking about for these seminars, just Google him and his studio. He does a lot of commission work. The name sounds familiar. He's won Crystal Brush stuff. probably why it sounds familiar. He's really damn good. (laughs) Um, And... So, Ward, why don't you tell us about uh, that one, and I'll take the advanced airbrush.
3: Okay. Um, So, with the weathering, uh, he started off by giving us all a rhino door that had been pre-coated previously. And he was talking about some of the different materials he used um, for uh, getting a rust effect and a weathering effect on your model. So, the hairbrush technique... um, Hairbrush? Hair hairspray, spray? hairspray technique, sorry. <laughs> hairspray and salt. Hairbrush would be totally different. Talk about, ha- the, talk salt. about the
2: hairspray and salt,
3: Yeah, Yeah, the salt. Grapefruit. That sort of thing. The grapefruit technique. No, thank goodness he didn't talk about that one. So, But we we told people about it.
2: Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. How can we not tell people
2: about
0: this, that? The dudes from Madrid lost their mind oh, the grapefruit <laughs> Alex? technique. Alex, yeah. Oh yeah, my he god. Did, he did,
3: he was very surprised. Did you describe it or show them the video? Yeah, well, we showed Both. it. Both. Okay. The video. Um... So anyway, so he was talking about those, and then he said, forget all of that, uh, because it's too random. Uh, You need to buy this tub of mold builder. Uh, You can get it at, like, Michael's and such, and you can apply it, dab it on. It's like a latex, liquid latex. it says
2: paint on rubber is
3: what it says on the label. Yeah, so you use a... It's a huge tub. Maybe a a picture of it. Use a dab. um, uh, Use a Citadel foam foam, block to dab it on. Uh, ah, so it'll give you the rough texture and then you can spray over top of that the uh other color that you want. so we had like a hun- sons of Horus uh looking door, and so we told us all to like start like rubbing away and-, and get rid of it and so like underneath was like all the rust and so that was awesome, so just having like the different like chip chip techniques there. And then he was showing us, like, giving us a demo on, like, how fast it actually happens, which was it dries quick. Yeah. Make sure you know which ones you've already pre-dabbed. Yeah, it it dries clear, right? It dries clear. It goes
2: on white and dries completely clear, and you can barely tell the textures there. And he asked us, he's like,
3: did I I do this already? Because he got distracted by teaching some other things (laughs) in the classroom. Like, yeah, you've already already done that. Me Me and Steve were the keeners right up front, so... Um, and then, uh, so then he brought out some, like, um, secret weapon paints, uh, lots of, like, oranges, browns, Mornfang Black he was a big fan of, or Mornfang Brown, Brown. and Dryad Bark. Yep. Uh two rich colors that uh that he really uh used a lot for his rusts. Those secret weapon paints I wanted to say though, he had pre-release secret weapon paints.
2: Because I was just thinking in my head, like don't they just have the washes and weathering paints? No, they have like this this paint
3: line that he had it's, it's a, coming out. It's a specific rust line.
2: Okay. Um
3: they're not named at all. Um so they're yet. just numbered. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, there's like lots of like light Light browns all the way through, like the dark browns, uh, like a purpley brown, that sort of thing. So they dry super
2: flat, and they're very thin. So if you paint them over top of, they work great as uh, you can almost like do like a a glaze wash. Like they work great for juicing kind of things. Uh, I wish
3: I could buy some. Yeah. So standing <laughs> so standing over top of your stains, pre existing. So and adding like a little bit of color. Uh, he showed us how to do like scratches. So doing like a thin line, tapering it down. Um, you want to do like an uh, an off white, like a bone. Uh, the menoth. What's the menoth? Menoth white. Menoth white. Men-off yeah. white? Yeah. yeah. So that underneath the chips to to give it a little bit of like uh, definition. Well, it gives know, it almost wet. that
0: sense that there's depth. Um, behind, like deeper in, that the, the paint is clean. actually up.
2: Yeah, because yeah. if you paint like the, the shade this sort of
0: color thing. over top of the chip and the highlight color underneath, it gives
2: the three D look, like it's a dent as well as a chip. But what he was talking about though is that Menoth white though is almost the color you want for all rust all effects. Of your or,
3: effects.
2: And normally I'd be like, eh, I don't know about that, but to, coming from him after I googled some of his work, I was like, oh yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: and, and just seeing, like, this over top of, like, the blue, the bluey green, it was just like, holy smokes. Yeah, that just, like, To be honest, every chip detail. that
0: I've ever done in my life uses basically the Man off White as the bottom
2: yeah. line. Yeah, so what he would do is he would do the bottom white Man off line and then use the P3 paints that, again, you can't get yet. Um Secret, Secret, Weapon? Secret, mm-hmm. Weapon. Secret Weapon. Secret Weapon. Sorry, Secret Weapon to uh, tone them, uh, tone down that white into your tonal range. Okay. So... Uh, he would basically go with the rust paints over top of it to just bring it a little bit. out So, know, like, 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 like
3: a glaze over top, f- kind of, almost, yeah. So it was like a, it's like a watered down. The paint itself is, uh, is like see through. So just by applying like some like thin layers, it darkens up the overall like look as well as blends those that rust to that white in a huh. little bit more. He so also has this
2: really cool technique that he was showing that I actually hadn't really noticed where you take. This is going to translate into podcasting really poorly, but you take the paint on the tip of the brush um, and and almost get all of it off. And then he was talking about you basically run the paint into your rust uh, crevice or dent and then push the brush down so it's at like a U shape. So it sort of pulls the paint back up into the ferrule and then you can kind of work it around and you get a natural blend from the tip of the brush back up to the ferrule. and watching him do that he actually like had a perfect nice shade like it didn't give you that line at the end of the brush Mm -hmm. where you normally would see this is where the paint stops it was a very nice feathering technique where instead of like trying to where I would normally pull it down and away and back and that kind of thing with a lot of brush motion and then water going back he was much faster with this technique where he could basically put the tip of the brush down feather it a little bit and finished and it was perfect
0: so just kind of like for lack of a better description you put a little bit on the tip, jam it in, wiggle it around. Uh, it's, but not quite. He, I'm he, being rough here. Yeah,
2: yeah, you're being a little rough. Put a little on the tip, jam <laughs> it, yeah. I see what you're doing. I was trying to be serious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, I feel like it may be a better visual descriptor for it. Yeah, I, like, I don't know if I want a visual descriptor of what
2: Tom's no, talking no, about. No, 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 Thing no, is, <laughs> no. No, the, the entire idea is to use the back of the brush as sort of less pressure on it uh, to pull the paint around and feather it. And when he was using, like I said, when he was sort of tinting around those
3: areas, he did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, cool. uh, the scratches, make sure that it's not like a uniform scratch. Like, it's, it tapers down to like a, a tip as it like comes off the material. Um, yeah, don't
2: paint a straight line. Yeah. There's portions that will chip more or less. So you paint a line that has some slightly thicker areas. Like, it's generally going to be straight, but make sure that if the projectile hits at an angle and it's clearly not going to deflect into the material that way. Don't do that. Like, you got to make sure it sort of follows physics. He
3: talked about that on shoulder pads a little bit. Yeah, for that. And then uh, he said you could finish up with the weathering powders, and he did a little bit of it as an example. He didn't get us to do it because it is quite messy. Uh, if you've ever used weathering powders before. And we um, didn't have a way to really seal it,
2: so that would yeah, sucked. <laughs> yeah,
3: trying to transport it home and everything like that. So, But, I mean, the... Uh, that that mold builder was awesome and then just uh, learning how to do the chips a little bit better and then the rust streaking uh down from like rivets yeah. and uh openings and that sort of thing the streaks down were really cool
2: um i'm with you on that one the thing is is i mean the way he did his rust underneath when he started with his base coat of rust it was so simple it was just uh mournfang brown a few tones of orange a few tones of darker brown and then using that mold builder. Like, it was so simple. I've Mm -hmm. done the salt weathering technique before. Which is a pain in the ass. Doesn't work. Uh, I've done the chipping material medium before on my entire Dystopian fleet, and that's great there. There's not a lot of detail to obscure. I've tried it on other things, and it gets a little thick. This, you get more control with. You don't have to use an airbrush. And it gives you the same effect as the AK interactive chipping, or the uh, I think I have the Vojo, same thing.
3: Same stuff, yeah.
2: Um, but you you get that control. Uh, I was actually like I was blown away by that.
3: Yeah, I love that course. So it was totally worth it. I'm glad that we had Sunday off to go yep. attend. So
2: yeah, I mean it was uh, beyond worth the money. It was it was great. And the thing that impressed me though is he all he was talking about how weathering powders were. Um, is it, are all the rage right now he was kind of saying that unless you're doing a competition piece to not really worry about them too much because the entire point of a weathering
3: powder is they stay that dusty looking sort of thing um and if, if that's, you're gonna if, yeah if you're gonna use it as a game piece and like lift up your model like every time like that's gonna, it's gonna rub off and you it's gonna disappear and not be worth it on your model so competition pieces you can see more use out of for sure uh rather than game pieces so just yeah, just because you, you also can't
2: seal it. When you start dabbing in the the sealers, they don't they don't really quite work. When you start using um, dull coat, it changes the tone. Yeah, you lose the vast majority of it. We actually have some pictures of that from the work on your display board, yeah. like before and after the varnish, just to illustrate how ridiculously desaturated it is once you use a dull coat. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I really, which has it. its place. Yeah, I, I think I think the weathering powders are something that I'm still going to
0: use, uh, but less so now. Very much less so. Yeah. All right. Uh, Then quickly, was there much in the airbrush that we don't already, or that we wouldn't have already have talked about? No, there there wasn't much there. The only thing that he talked about quite a bit was
2: um, a little bit of shade theory. So he was talking about how um, with the Xenophil highlight, one of the things you can do is actually take your shade color and apply it almost with 100% opacity from the top. Instead of doing a light zenithal at the top. If you go at like a facing the front of the face where the light would come in, if you go directly straight down from the top and you spray full blast and then do the opposite shade from the bottom, that actually is probably a better zenithal effect than trying to do some nice blends and that kind of stuff because that's where the light's coming, you get the shade and it will just by the nature of the airbrush's cone and the way the particles will adhere, you'll get the zenithal out of that anyways. Hmm. And I've tried that on my salamanders that I'm working on today, and I actually have to say he is right. It's it's less effort. You put in a little bit of highlights here and there. Um but these guys have all been re-primed green since you guys have seen it last week, and I'm much more happy with them.
3: Um so that was cool. Uh we both picked up alcohol. <laughs> yeah, uh thinning thinning your airbrush uh uh, your paints with uh, isopropyl alcohol, ten percent to distilled, di- diluted no distilled water. Yeah, distilled water. Distilled water. Diluted water. Distilled water. Diluted alcohol. How do you dilute the water? water. Uh, you add alcohol to it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're familiar with
1: this process, yes. <laughs> yes um, so.
2: So the thing he was talking about is how the you want a little bit of isopropyl alcohol in your airbrush because uh, it breaks down the medium and the base uh, so that. Not to the point where it'll actually destroy it or start curdling the paint, but it'll, it'll break up those little chunks that get stuck in your airbrush. Um, it'll let it go on smoother and it'll flash off a little faster. So he doesn't use any of, when he's thinning the paints, any of the weird mediums that I've been using. No. Uh, it was just straight alcohol and water. That's it. Huh. It was 90-10, so he'd do 90% distilled to 10% and he had a little chemistry wash bottle. And uh, he was talking about how you don't have to clean
3: the airbrush as much Cause it, it breaks the seal between the needle and the tip, so if you wreck that, like if you're using if you use that to clean your your brush, uh, and there's no paint coming out, like you've already cleaned it out. You don't need to take your needle out and, yeah. okay. and break that seal every time. Huh? Um, yeah. So. That was interesting. You don't need to strip the the brush down every single time uh, to clean it out, which was an interesting thing for sure. Yeah, because um, I think all of us here are like pretty ri- ridiculous. all the way down. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah I, I, everything. Everything. I strip
2: it like really regularly when I'm cleaning the brush, and it's good to not have to do that. Because another friend of mine, I was talking to him the other day, he dropped his little tiny nozzle tip on the carpet while cleaning his airbrush. So he's like, "Well, fuck." Was yeah. this Nathan again? No. Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it's and I think because it's brass, so like waving a magnet around ain't gonna do yeah. much. So yeah. it's just he Yeah, there's a nozzle somewhere embedded in his carpet fibers for for the, till the
3: end of time uh, until he steps on it. Until yeah. he steps on like, <laughs> um, like a Lego piece. The other the other interesting thing that he said though is trying to get um, motion into your model. I found so most people when they're painting like uh, the side of a tank panel or what have you, they'll paint like individual like. Uh, panels and have the light or the the paint in the center of uh, said uh, piece. And he said most of that is uh, model aircraft model technique. aircraft techniques, and it looks really good. And such, There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, the Fordal books describe that too. That technique, but what he was doing instead of doing like the center of the panel is he would angle the panel to have like the eye drawn into one direction. Yeah. So if you have multiple panels on the wall, the high point would be like the top left of each panel and the darkest would be the bottom right of each panel. Yeah, divided the front of the model was at the left. Yes. So yeah, to it's something to, eye to
2: draw, your, draw your eye in a specific direction to imply motion. Yeah, it's... Yeah, Some of that implied motion stuff is... It's taking stuff from art theory and applying it to miniatures, which I, is totally valid. I have to admit, I saw some of the stuff that he was going for, and it's a yeah. little bit too sharp than what I would normally do. In fact, I thought it was a bit much. He yeah, could have been I, accentuating it just for the point of illustration, too.
3: Yeah, I well, yeah, maybe. Cause I was making side, things up, this, I wasn't for there. This, for the side <laughs> panel, maybe, uh, maybe. So I thought the side panel was good, like the execution yeah. on the, the tank itself. Uh, maybe so
0: yeah i think for me kind of like a hybrid process of that where maybe not go the full to the extreme highlight to the extreme shade on every panel yeah but generally having the motion on the panels following that kind of yeah and that makes some sense that kind of pattern i I have no problem with that but
2: some of the the examples were just a little bit heavy-handed um but the other thing we talked he talked about a lot was
3: washes and inks through an airbrush and how you should do that more yeah which I was surprised. I did find that uh, ink, though, as well. Oh, the um, uh, something roly. Uh, yeah, I bought, I bought one, so I'll show you and everything like that. So I found uh, that at Colors. Oh, perfect. it's yeah. awesome.
2: So. so he did the um, inks on uh, basically doing like the white through black shade progressions and then doing uh, inks across it. Because he was saying that inks, when you paint them on, are glossy. When you airbrush them on, they're matte. Um, so I found that a little interesting.
1: No, you've seen it before. My scourge are all done that way.
2: Yeah, but yours are shiny. But the, no, no, yours? that's because it's a
1: gloss afterwards.
2: Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it. I don't think I've seen Mike's in progress skirts, no. just the finished ones. Because nothing's ever dark. in progress long enough for anyone to see it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. Holy cow. He's <laughs> slower.
2: Make us feel better about ourselves. Exactly. No, the, the it was it was cool. I I enjoyed that. The the he did the uh, burn barrel effect. Uh, And it's the first time I've seen it in person, not in one of the Forge World books, where it actually looked good. He did it on the back. of He had, like, four airbrushes, uh, probably more than that there. He took the back piece off of one of the badgers that was already chrome steel and then was just, like, did the burn effect on his airbrush and it looked awesome. It actually looked like someone had used his airbrush and made it get hot. Hmm. Like, it was weird. Yeah, that discolored heat effect is so cool when it's done, right? It just looks... But it's easy to make it wrong. Yeah, he, he said you have to do it over something very, very chrome metallic. So yeah. something has to be very bright. Um, and then you've got—it was really simple. I mean, it was just the burnt umber, uh, purple, and then blue. Mm-hmm. That's it. You just do three, uh, two, three bands of them.
0: That's all there is to it. Yeah. With the blue being the final band. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. Burnt umber at the tip. Yep. Yeah. And then work your way back. I bet you get. Guess what ink I bought burnt umber of course you did because that's all he used <laughs> he was like love that thing so <laughs> very cool all right i'll right. we'll post up a picture because i can't remember the brand uh yeah i've got i got one uh Here, or so. we'll mention it in a little it's bit a uh, i'm sure we'll try and maybe put a few it sounds like we have a lot of new products to show off so we'll we'll
3: put them on the facebook page that sort of thing yeah, yeah. put them to the show notes the that's the what ni- we'll do the nice thing about these inks too is they come with a dropper bottle so and the name is it's the dollar roni
2: yeah I couldn't figure out the name either. I had to take a picture of it. It's, it's Dalaroni.
3: This is like yeah. what you bought at Michael's? No, that Colors. I bought that one at uh, Colors. How much? Okay. Uh, $9 a bottle, so a little bit more. It's acrylic artistic ink.
0: Yeah, yeah they Very actually cool. are an
3: artist's ink. They're quite nice.
0: How big is the bottle? Like, mill?
1: It is... Looks like at least an 29 ounce. 29 mil. One fluid ounce. So that's you get
2: bad. Like, You get something there. Yeah, it's still sure. same so, well, you know, dollar per mil that you'd get from like a Citadel paint, but ink's... If you're using them, especially yeah. diluted, they last forever. Yeah. yeah, you can airbrush. You can. He didn't paint dilute any off. of his inks. Okay, at all. He would run them straight through the brush. So. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah the hobby seminars were great. Uh, the weathering one was the the one that I would have if I had
3: to pick. One I would have gone to that. That was awesome. I I highly recommend it. Like if you go to a con and whatnot, and you have the Sunday off, like the the classes yeah. weren't expensive and two hours, I think. Yeah, t- each they two they hours. Sh- we spent four hours there for 35 bucks. got some really good tips. Yeah,
2: That's not bad. So. Yeah. Cool. It worked out good.
0: All right, so I guess, quickly to summarize, Vegas
2: is great. Try go, to go again next year. Go to the LVO. If you are into miniatures gaming, there is something there for you. There was Battletech. I knew there would be. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> and the people that were playing Battletech looked like they should have been playing Battletech. <laughs> hey, tell you that much. Uh, I'll use my dad's joke and say I resemble that remark.
0: <laughs> Instead uh, of I resent, you know? I get it, it's I get a dad it. Joke. But it, it was really good, especially... I almost wish the pub crawl was on the Friday night, because there's so many people that you meet on the Friday yeah. that you then get, like, eight hours with the next day while you're gaming and then done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, so much about the LVO isn't really the gaming... Yeah, social. it's the social aspect.
3: Yeah, yeah we sure. we met guys from Spain. We met guys from um Well, California. Spain living in
0: the U-
2: living U.S. Living in yeah. the
3: U.S., yeah. yeah. There's guys from the U.K. that came. Uh, other Canadians, of course. Okay, really, so. I think
0: there's one little story that I'd like to tell, and then we can wrap this one up. Okay. So we go to the venue on the Thursday night. And it's closed, so we decided to grab a drink from this tiki bar right out front. (laughs) And Ward's wearing (laughs) his shirt, which is like Papa Smurf as Skeletor (laughs) um, on it. And this guy goes up and is like, oh man, that's fucking Skeletor. Like, you must be a nerd. And we start chatting this guy up, and it turns and we tell him about the LVO and why we're down there. Did he he turn out to be a prostitute? I wish. No, 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 he did not turn out to be a prostitute. That's the next night. That is, yeah. Anyways, moving on. So we're talking about it, and he's like, oh yeah, I love, I love 40K. I was like, I'm trying to run an Inquisitor game for some friends of mine. I really hope they bring that back from Forge World. And he just knows all these obscure-ass details about the 40K universe. He's building a real-size Space Marine costume. So no, no. He's got a- His words explicitly were, I would love to make a real-size Space Marine costume, but I can't because it would be too tall. So it's probably going to be more like a Thunder Warrior. This is a random Joe not involved with the LVO.
3: He didn't even <laughs> know
2: the
0: LVO was there at the Tiki bar. Yeah.
3: He just makes cosplay. Uh, and we end up talking about Thunder Warriors. Yeah. That was weird. Wow. Yeah. yeah just because he cool. saw Skeletor on my shirt. Yeah, it was
2: cool. That was a fun one. So, well, to be fair, Tom and I were grabbing soup earlier today, and the guy across the table is like, Oh, I just sorry to interrupt, but like overheard you talking about like horse heresy stuff. I'm just going to correct some of your information in your conversation.
0: He's like, yeah, the rules are not out yet for the new Iron Warriors models in 30K. I was like, what the shit? Who are There were like three people in that restaurant. It was
2: pretty funny. One of
0: them happens to be
2: a 30K gamer. Just
0: like by himself reading the newspaper. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. That's insane. That's it awesome. Was, it was really weird. Um, but so, this for me, that's probably the, the prototypical. And, and, yes, and this is in Edmonton, not yeah. Vegas. Yeah. It really symbolized what was great about the LVO, and that was all the people that were there. Yeah. And even sometimes the people that weren't there for the LVO were even better yes. than the people that were there for the LVO. Yes. Like the guy, and I'm just going to say this on air because I did not under- believe I would ever hear this said in my life. There was a guy that was actually asking you on the street if you wanted bacon-wrapped titties. <laughs> And multiple people at the event, all were approached by that guy separately. Like, we're t- joking about the story afterwards, and another guy's walking by the gaming table, and he's like, oh yeah, bacon-rapped titty guy! Oh yeah, <laughs> Vegas, but I mean, Vegas is the
3: least family-friendly
0: place that there's many families
2: at. It's yeah. I don't understand how there's so though. many children walking around, and then the people, yeah, anyways.
3: I do, I do have to also say, though, that we all got new nicknames this weekend. You did. We did. We
0: did. Yes. We did. So, Ward, what's yours?
3: <laughs> Mine... Is the theme Ward
2: it, the theme capatch? Why is that? I was the only
3: guy to dress up in the theme of the pub crawl in the bright neon uh, colors that they recommended. So I wore a neon snowsuit for the event. Pictures I'm sure can be found already. Uh it will be like a me. sore thumb. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was the only one to do it. So I am, uh, according to Coop Juice, who runs the pub crawl, I'm now Ward the theme capatch. All right, Steve, what about you? I'm Captain Privilege, because <laughs> uh, I wanted to stay in
2: the Cosmopolitan instead of Bally's, which I am still happy with my decision. Also because you have... The Nexus pen, I have the Nexus card, so I <laughs> yeah. <didn't> get through. <laughs> so That's you have the right. short line. I did have the short line, which saved me in Calgary until I got lost in their crappy airport. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I mean, Calgary, you guys have a terrible airport.
0: <laughs> uh, and then mine, I don't think we actually have to explain this.
2: No, I feel like you're not going to explain yours at all. Your nickname is Tom the Degenerate Carter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah,
0: self-explanatory. Fill in blanks as necessary. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Uh, if I had to give this a rating on the puck scale, I give this event a five.
3: That's why I've gone. This is the third year in a row. It's a blast. I give it a five as well. Uh, I would give it a five, and I told Kyra to expect me to go next year. So yeah, yeah. And after
0: the podcast, you can tell us how that went. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> so let's give some real content for yep. like 10 minutes here. Yep. Um, recently, we've all been using a lot of either Crackle Paste or Games Workshop Crackle Paints to kind of do various basing techniques. Yep. And I'd like to start out by maybe reviewing the two different products and maybe what are the pros of one or the pros of the other. Yeah, there, I'm sure there's more than two out there, but we're going to focus on the two that we've used and they're, the,
2: I, seem, I would imagine, the easiest to find. Yes. Yeah, generally the mm-hmm. Citadel stuff and then the more like art store Product. Yeah. So let's yeah.
0: just start with the Citadel one. Um, they make the two different kinds. Yeah, they have uh, Martian Iron Earth and Agrellan Earth. And the
2: difference is one's brown, one's red. Well, one's more of
0: like a lighter gray, okay. and the other one's more of an orangey red.
2: Yeah, one works perfect for your Martian bases, as you would imagine from the name, and the other one works for everything else. Yeah. Yep. Um, really.
0: Yeah, so the number one pro <laughs> for this, I guess there's two, in my mind. The two real reasons to use this product. One is that it's already colored, so you yeah. don't have to worry about covering it with paint, which is a really nice advantage if you have something underneath already colored. Then yeah. you're not having to worry about just painting the top and maybe having a weird layering effect. The happening. GW
2: Advent Calendar has a lava base tutorial. Yeah, we've talked we about that,
0: that previously. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, go take a look at it. It's really good. And the other one is they dry pretty quick, and you can just paint them on in a small area. Yeah, And you could even call it done after that. Lots of people do, and
2: it looks yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, the downsides to it are the cost. If you're uh, going to use compared yeah. to, because you do have to put it on thick, otherwise
0: it doesn't crack. So yeah, you go not through necessarily. Le- it's, thicker it than paint for
2: sure. It, it has changes a lot
0: thicker. It, we'll talk about exactly the nuances of the thickness in a bit, because I've found some interesting things. Okay, yeah. but uh, you are you are right, I guess, to a point. It's gonna be more expensive than the artist store stuff because you get a tub. Um,
2: I mean, that's all there is to it. Because how much
0: is it for like this uh, eight, eight ounce tub? Twenty bucks.
2: For? So you get yeah. Uh, you would get four less than four GW paints. That would go in there. Yeah. So you have significantly less. Yeah, because it's it's how many? It's two hundred and thirty seven mil versus twelve yeah for twenty bucks versus like five, yeah exactly, so you're
0: getting way more material per dollar, yeah yep, and then the other thing too is with the the paints, the other downside it's a lot harder to shape it and get something other than just kind of that relatively flat crackly surface yes.
2: yeah it's definitely more more runny,
0: yeah, yeah, so you're a little bit more limited in its uses, so with that in mind, what are some advantages of the golden artist color crackle paste? Well, the thing that I'll start with is so I, we used a shitload of it on my
2: display board, uh, and one of the first things we did is it, it's white. It doesn't have any color, so we decided we were going to check and see if we could tint it. And you can, yes. So the you instructions can make it any color. the instructions say you can mix up to ten percent by volume with any like acrylic based like ink or paint or whatever. So yeah, you can. It's not enough to like fully color it, but it's enough to make it not white. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So one of the things that I did find interesting with it is uh, we used the ghost tint black to try and uh, bring it up because we wanted to still have it a little bit more thin. I would probably use an acrylic uh, pigment, just straight pigment. Like if you could find the equivalent of, I guess, uh, acrylic Forge World weathering powders. I don't know if that would work. I would try that, actually, to see if it would work. You should be able to find something similar to that. Like because they've got the soot
0: one, like the black
2: Yeah. I don't know if it would work entirely. I tested in a small area, but that's what I would do in the future for tinting it. But the point is no matter what you're doing, you can make it any color. So yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't just come in brownish gray and like orangish brown. Yeah, exactly. You can make it any color that you want. Um, the other thing that's cool about it is you can definitely sculpt it. We sculpt it into lava. For sure. That is my biggest selling feature for, feature for it is if you have a little bit of experience with the material and it's, it does take some experience to get used to it for sure. Mm-hmm. Most but people if you do know what you're doing, it's, it's like drywall spackle. Yeah. But you're trying to, if you're trying to sculpt detail into it, hopefully you're not sculpting too much detail into your drywall because that's weird <laughs> and your house would look terrible. Yeah, that's true. But with a little bit of practice, you can, you can make it look like sand dunes. You can make it look like lava flows. You can if you get pretty good with the application of it. You can do a lot of sculpted texture that you can't do with the GW paint.
0: That's right. entirely true, hundred percent. So, and the other thing is again, it's cheap. Yes, yeah, the main advantage here it's way cheaper, and it's more versatile.
2: Yep, I'd say so. And I per- personally of the two, I would prefer to use it for scenery. If you were using it for scenery, where oh yeah, the GW
1: larger my thing would be. That is the golden. Is definitely for large areas. If you're doing any kind of large areas, you don't want to go with the cheap. Yeah, the
2: GW stuff, stuff over top yeah. of like yeah, some MDF good. or whatever to make scenery. Like it would potentially rub off a lot more easily. It would just yeah. there'd be it a lot of It issues. would not
1: be a good thing. And it whereas, normal leg.
2: yes, whereas I have used the crackle paste to make some desert theme like Camry looking scenery before, and it's awesome, and I've never had any wear and tear issues or anything like that. So yeah, okay. So, so definitely, definitely a weird product in some ways.
3: Ward, anything? Um, I've used both. I like the golden a little bit more, um, just because again, again, you've re- repeated several things that I'm already <laughs> gonna say. Uh, bigger cracks. Um, I Had no problems again doing all the camera stuff. That's a good that point sort of too. Thing, this, right, this, so. this, the size of the
2: cracks for the texture, where the GW stuff you're getting it's those really small, you're getting those really fine cracks, like within fractions of like a millimeter of each other. But the acrylic, or the golden stuff, the cracks are like a quarter inch apart, sort of a thing. Yep. Uh, so going into the technical aspect of it. Sorry, right, Ward. We should let him finish.
3: No, no, that's all good. That's all good. <laughs>
2: oh, I guess we also, <laughs> I
0: should I totally feel, skip Mike. I feel
1: Mike's like Mike's also used it too. Yeah, and I don't want to repeat every single time. <laughs> so are, are we ready to know.
0: rate these and then talk about some tips and tricks? Yes, I think so. Kay. So
3: let's start with the golden. Uh, how many pucks? Give it four. I'm going to give it a 4, 2 I'm going to give it a 4 because it's not colored, but it works better in my opinion. Yes.
2: Yeah, I really like it, but yeah, it being pure white is a bit of an issue for some uses. So,
0: yeah, 4 works for me. And I think 4 as well. Like <laughs> Unanimous
2: oh, decision.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll go 4.2. Oh, God damn it, Steven. <laughs> okay, what about the GW ones?
1: I actually go with the 3. Yeah, 3 as well, actually.
0: <laughs> 3.
1: Yeah, look at that. I'm gonna say four,
0: just so we're not all in agreement again. Okay, but hurts. I'm gonna say four because even though it doesn't have the same variety of uses, for the uses you're gonna that you need it for, it's great. I will.
2: I'll give you if you are painting a, a mechanicum I and you're doing a Mars theme. Oh, you'd be crazy not. Base, to. Then it. Then it's a five. But if you are looking <laughs> at uh, uh, just a, a general snow world. purpose snow world that has cracked snow, uh, cracked ice. I, I, I guess you'd do blue. And I, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> um, it's more versatile. I mean, yeah, if you have that army that needs that color and you're not tinting the GW stuff, mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer.
0: And I'm doing Mars bases for Iron Warriors. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, so you're totally sure. biased. Yeah. That's why you it a four <laughs> and not a five because I recognize my bias. Yep. Yeah. Um, as for tips and tricks,
2: the one thing I will say is the tip for uh, tinting that stuff is you, is you have to realize it cracks less. Depending on what you add to the golden medium. It's very easy to disrupt the cracking process. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I would, I, we use the, the um, ghost tint. And the ghost tint is a little flexible, clear um, tint. And I think that was a mistake because we didn't get quite the, the size of cracks that I was looking for. So if you went with the Forge World powders type stuff, where it doesn't have a medium. Yeah, you might you might not disrupt the uh, the drying and the cracking as much. So I don't know if it'll work entirely the same, but I, that would be my tip. If you're going to tint that stuff, try to use something that doesn't have a weird medium that's going to make it flexible, especially a flexible medium. Totally
0: fair. Uh, any other things specific to the golden uh, that you maybe can think of?
2: Putty sp- uh, putty knife is a great way to apply. Yeah, I've got a set of um, like palette knife type things that I have for manipulating it, and they come in super handy. It's very easy to clean up afterwards, but you do need some kind of an applicator. Failing a putty knife, you can use the kitchen knife that I have still sitting on the table from when we made our. Display oh yeah. <laughs> we did you we did bring down Don't butter tell knives and I only use the spoon. So the butter knife's fine. Yeah, exactly. But um, it washes off. it's just like drywall spackle. You can you can wash it. Yeah, it's it it's, like it's soap days. and water wash up afterwards. Yeah. It's very easy to clean up if you have a little bit of a spill. Yeah. You will get it on your hands, just oh, yeah. guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it doesn't sure. stain. It doesn't do anything like that. So well, it might if you add 4 jeweled pigments to it or something. Oh, I'm sure it would for sure, then. yeah, 100%. <laughs> but uh, so my tip and trick for it actually would be, I really like the idea of using it with the Battletech bases that I do. I know, Battletech, whatever, but they're the... <laughs> <laughs> like, at least you realize the problem. Yeah. But yeah. First step is recognition, Dan. <laughs> but the, those bases I have, the, the plastic ones that are sold through... Um, it doesn't matter who manufactures them, but they're like... Um, it's kind of like a hollow lip situation, so they're...
1: Oh, I was going to say that. Because a
2: lot of those models have, like, the little, like, cylinder puck thing that they're standing on between their feet. So they had, the bases have, like, a lip around the edge, and they're sunken in, so you can just... Oh, yeah, okay, that makes like, sense. Like, that's how the bases all work. And so for these models, I actually kind of build up a little platform in the shape of a foot, like, where it's going to attach to afterwards, and then just spackle in the area around it so that you can build it up thick enough for it to crack. Like, it needs to go on at least probably two or three millimeters thick to crack properly. Yes. So that's definitely what I do is um, I prime the base first. I build out that little island. I spackle it full and, you know, you just kind of do it flush to the sides and uh, glue your model on afterwards and everything. And that works really well for me. I like the idea of these hollow bases. That's actually something you can buy from Secret Weapon Miniatures as well. You can buy it in, like, the round shoulder and the round beveled edge. You can just buy... All the different sizes, but they're designed for doing like water effects and all kinds of other custom bases. They would work amazingly well if you were doing like a crack desert theme.
1: Yeah, I And as a side note, those uh, indents are recessed areas on the round bases that you're talking about. This is where GW fails. When you put that medium in there, it shrinks to the middle and you have this big empty border around the base. Yeah, there's, there's, it, it doesn't work well with them at all. Yeah, there's hmm. nothing for it to attach to on the side. Yeah. So if you can get
2: build up like a a little dry riverbed type thing, so you can actually get something to yeah. pull to the sides, it'll it'll help. But yeah, you're totally right.
0: Yeah. yeah, and and this is this is where the the paints are really quite nice. You don't have to apply them that thick. Yeah, I've found even relative, like you you're gonna be applying it thicker than you ever would have paint.
1: No, but and that's this, true. This is what I'm telling you. I I did apply the W stuff on those beveled insert bases and it just shrunk to the middle. The GW and, did- Yeah, the GW stuff. Huh. Shrunk horrendously. Really? Yes, there's there's a good three millimeters around the thirty two mil base. So it didn't crack around right the edges. in. That's, that's it didn't really it's separated from the edges. And it, it's all radial too. I guess that makes sense, yeah. The because the cracks do follow the shapes that are nearby. Yeah, yeah. so, so it's all, if you do have that it's like a sunburst. It, it didn't work. Well. Yeah, I could.
2: I could see that well. it not cracking properly around the edges, but the GW bases that don't have that, it no. would work perfectly. No, no,
1: and then I did it. It's not as bad,
2: <laughs> but it still bit. does the
1: same thing. If there's no nothing, it's not touching anything else. It goes completely radial, and it hmm. sucks into the center.
0: So here's a tip uh, then. Weird. Make one sure of the to, one of the ways that I'm using it on my bases is with a mix of sand and ballast.
1: Oh, yeah, and that's where you get your, your anchor right there because it's a rough surface. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just saying, if you're doing it straight onto the base, it w- doesn't work worth shit. Huh, yep. Yeah.
0: So that's the tip. Make sure you've got some kind of t- texture. texture around it, Yeah. especially for the, the Citadel stuff because yeah. it's, uh, it, in all honesty, I don't think it, you build it up in a way that looks really good to cover an entire base anyways. No. Well, like a lot of Because then that's techniques. when you want to use the crackle.
2: Like a lot of basing techniques, I advocate for you. You want to be using more than one texture or one color anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. So just having this straight crackle um, is not bad. But you know what? There's
1: going to be somebody that tries that out. Oh, sure. And this is the way to say, hey,
2: buddy. Be uh, careful. We can save them a pot. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the fact that you can rein it in by building up a little bit of sand first, that's a really good little pointer, I think.
1: Yeah, that's all I had. Sorry.
2: Anybody else?
0: Brilliant ideas? No, it's pretty straightforward stuff to use.
2: Going once, going
1: twice.
0: Yeah, it's why it's why we did this after the LVO, because we'd probably ramble way too long about all the fun we had, and then actually hopefully have something useful for <laughs> five, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I guess the other super quick thing with the um, golden crackle paste or similar products, it does actually take minimum of like 24 hours for like a decent thickness of it to dry properly and finish cracking. If you let it sit for like an entire weekend or whatever, it'll still form more of those fine cracks, so... It is very much, uh, you know, do a bunch of bases and let them sit for a couple of days. You're not doing it, you know, grabbing the next base in line, grabbing the next base in line, then going back and dry brushing and sealing them five minutes later. Like, it takes a couple of days.
3: It's yeah. like working
2: with green stuff. You need to let it sit and cure properly. It's a slow process. Yeah. Check out the instructions for it if you're using it, if you're worried at all, because they have a pretty good instructions page on Golden's uh, website. Yeah, I just Googled it when we were working with it. That's how we found out you could mix it with 10% yeah. acrylic paint and, and not they do affect talk it too about bad thickness in general expected drying time but yeah you're totally right 24 hours before cracks and the other thing that you cannot do (laughs) is do not uh speed the drying process that will impede uh, the formation like using a hair dryer or whatever which gw specifically recommends using in their tutorial video and it works fine for the technical paint yeah it does not work so good with a crackle paste yeah golden no hair dryer gw you're cool to do it apparently (laughs) all right i think we're done with last minute quick tips (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep. Right on. Yep. All right. So, moving on, we've got some events to be talking about coming up in the near future. Dun, dun, dun. So, Ward, do you want to start us off?
3: Uh, we do have some X Wing and Attack Wing events. Uh, attack Wing? Sorry. Uh, X Wing and Armada events, I should say. Oh, I didn't even know if anyone played Attack Wing anymore. There's still a few people. Yeah, some people do, for sure. Uh, so, on the uh, 27th of February here, there is an X Wing Store Championship at All Star at 10 a.m. Be there or be square. I'm assuming you and uh, Dan are going to be there. No, I, I, I am not going to be, not gonna be there. Are you uh-uh. working? Uh, no, I'm going to be in Calgary. That would oh, make it difficult. Oh, I know oh, the I do. Or the painting seminar.
0: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of
3: which. There is a painting seminar on the 27th, <laughs> the weekend of the 27th, and the weekend of uh, March uh, 5th and 6th. It is sold out now. There is no cool. more spots. So, 15, so don't
2: even worry about don't it. Don't
3: even worry about it. There, You can um, talk to uh, Dallas Medill. Uh, he is the organizer for it uh, to be put on a waiting list in case somebody does drop. Uh, there is only 15 spots. I do not plan on dropping, so don't bank on me doing that. I
2: know Paul <laughs> Tang also
0: does not plan on dropping,
2: so there there's go. at least
3: two not going to be. Exactly. So Well, and then if, if
0: on then March 5th, um, you can't go to that, there is a Kings of War gaming day happening at Red Claw.
3: Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. And this is going to be a charity for the Air Cadets as well. Very cool. Gotcha. So from the sounds of it, they're doing 1,200 points for Kings of War. And if you don't have an army for it yet, uh, don't worry about it. There will be multiples there. Or if you have an old fantasy army, bring your models, see how to make it work. Uh, The nice thing here is they're not requiring you to use any particular range of models. So if you have an army of fantasy elves or dwarves or orcs or anything... You can put
3: Kings of War. You're in good shape. Gotcha.
0: Not
3: a uh, bad little marketing scheme. Also in March, March 12th, uh, the Star Wars Armada Store Championship at All Star uh, Cards and Collectibles. Uh, again, 10 a.m. Be there or be rectangle for that one. I want to be a rhombus. Rhombus. You can, Dan. Mm-hmm. I like trapezoids personally. Polygon. <sighs> uh, also in March, March 26th, there is a cog steam roller at the Sentry Box. Uh, I believe it is going to be a uh, 50-point steamroller. So that's in Calgary, for Calgary, those not familiar. At the Century Box, an awesome store. Uh, again, starting at 10 a.m., 10 I believe Richard is putting on that one.
0: He's a great guy and runs a good event, so okay. go check it out if you want to play some War Machine.
3: And I think that's uh, about all we got so far in uh, March. Student. March, yeah. And then so. shortly
0: into April is where we get GrotzCon.
3: On the April 1st. Yep. So is it is it a problem. joke? Maybe is don't show up on the first day. I don't know.
0: No, it's April second and third. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as far as I know, they're running War Machine. They'll probably be running some Guild Ball. And Ian, one of the Evanson locals, is going to be running a forty k event. Full ITC. He's trying to do a two day event, so it'll
2: be
3: a big not
0: non painted. Well, no, uh, we encourage component. you to have painted a, models, oh, yeah, you can have pages, but it doesn't have sure. painting so, requirements. Yeah, there so is a
2: Best Painted award, so bring your painted stuff, but, uh, yeah, you don't
3: have to have everything. Painted. So this is, I mean, this is for somebody that wants to try to ex- get their wet with, with the first tournament, and they're getting their armies together, right? So playtesting some lists.
0: Yeah, and it'll be a good <laughs> primer, especially if you, after listening to us be all the idiot nonsense we got into in Vegas and are thinking, hey, maybe I want to go to Vegas play 40K, this is the exact same format they run at the Las Vegas Open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a good, it'll give you a good idea as to whether or not this style of gaming is right for you. Yep. Um, and that being said, if it's not, you can still do any other style of gaming there because it's the LVO.
3: Yeah, because we all, we all went down and played different things and we all had an awesome time. Next year I think we should
2: all go down and play in the 40K team tournament because I think it would be actually hilariously fun. Be a five-man team? We would have to find. It'd be like Hobby Night in Canada and Dave Roland, <laughs> <laughs> and
0: and their friend Dave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. Can we find someone who the nickname will be Orange, and then we can be like and an Orange?
3: <laughs> I don't get it. Because okay. his last name is Orange.
0: Yeah. Good. Never luck. mind. Good luck. Do not Google that. Okay, I'm confused. I don't know. Confused. Okay, I thought I thought at least one of you guys would know what I'm talking about. No, you're no. the degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> we've been over this. it up to my reputation.
2: <laughs> All right, well, I think we've covered everything. Well, there's actually one slightly oh. different one where there's actually a Game Discovery exhibition event going on in Edmonton at Grant McEwen on May 7th and 8th for the general public as well as Friday the 6th is for actually like video game developers. So it's primarily a video game... Event, but they do want to do tabletop as well. Uh, I believe the Indiegogo campaign to get this thing fully funded and where you can buy your tickets just went up today. That the day that we're recording. So it seems pretty cool. A friend of mine is actually helping to run and organize it. And I don't know too much information on it because I just found out about it a couple hours ago myself. But uh, it seems like a pretty decent deal. It sounds like they want to run tournaments. And uh, if you are a game developer or want to be a game developer, there's going to be a lot of those companies and industry folks there i think they had um a few dozen video game development studios there including i'm assuming bioware when they say triple a listers
1: yeah um, uh, last it's year Edmonton, so
2: it's a good uh, you know first year was last year and they had i think 650 attendees and whatnot plus the 40 or some companies um there as well so it sounds if you're into video gaming sounds like a good place to go if you want to uh, potentially pursue a career there and like I said, there's going to be some tabletop and some you know, gaming events and stuff going on
0: as well. And we should have more information about that as it emerges.
2: Yeah, and you can check them out on the, uh, the Indiegogo page as well. If you search for GDX 2016, that should come up right away there. And in terms of pricing, uh, the tickets are, I believe, the yeah somewhere around the ballpark of $15 per day or 25 days for the weekend pass. They have a few early bird as well. a day or $20 for the weekend
3: pass. Where where is it
0: at? Uh, That's at Grant McEwen in Edmonton. Okay, yep. And And so, and if you want to convince 50,000 of your closest friends to all donate 20 bucks, you can get the, you can potentially get the creator of Final Fantasy to come out to this.
2: Yeah, I think so. There's kind of a joke stretch goal if they make a million dollars in pre-sales for tickets, but you basically have like the entire population of Edmonton going at that point, so it's possible. I don't know if it's likely, but uh, yeah. but no, it's one of those events where they're they're like twenty five percent funded in the first eight or nine hours. So, gonna be and and so it's, it's
3: going to happen, folks. It also seems a lot more official than the previous gaming. Yes, this well, is we what we know it about it. it more this, this is than a not week in TCEG
2: advance. Con. <laughs> this this is an actual thing. Yep. Yes. So, yeah, it sounds pretty cool. I will get some more information from my buddy Derek in terms of what they're doing for tabletop, whether it's some open gaming or tournaments or what have you. And hopefully, we'll have more information in the coming weeks. Again, it's not till. May 6th, 7th, and 8th, so we got a ways
0: to go just yet, and yeah, stay tuned for more information there. Gotcha. Alrighty, I think that's the episode, boys. So until next time, this has been another episode of Hobby Name in Canada. Uh, I'm your host, Tom. I'm Dan. I'm the theme. I'm Mike. And I'm Steve. <laughs> 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 Alright, paint your models, boys. We'll see you in Vegas next year.